Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Why is God to be praised? God is to be praised because God the Father, verses 3 through 6, because God the Son, verses 7 through 12, and because God the Holy Spirit, verses 13 and 14, are all involved in this marvelous plan of grace through which we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. God's plan of salvation is the greatest rescue story ever told. Through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we're offered forgiveness of sins, but we're also adopted into the family of God. Today on The Verdict, we're looking closer at the plan of grace and the many related blessings. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe to introduce today's lesson. We often sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But how many of us understand grace? And why is it truly amazing? This is the focus of our new series. It's interesting to know that some people don't like the word wretch in John Newton's great hymn. They don't like being called wretches. But we've been learning in this series on grace that unless we understand we are totally undeserving of God's grace, and totally unable to save ourselves, we will never humbly receive the free gift of God's grace revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ. Today is a fascinating subject as we're going to consider the plan of grace. Yes, God's salvation is planned. In fact, we will learn that this plan was before the foundation of the world. When Jonah was drowning in the sea, he shouted, salvation is of the Lord. He knew that if he was going to survive, it wasn't going to be because of his swimming ability. It certainly wasn't going to be because he was a good person. After all, although he was a prophet, he had turned his back on God and he had run away from God. Sound familiar? But now on the very point of drowning, he realized that he was totally dependent on the grace of God for his salvation. Another way of saying salvation is of the Lord is to say salvation is all of grace. All of grace. This grace, which is really amazing, is God's love, is God's kindness to us who are totally undeserving of it. This morning we continue our series, Grace is Really Amazing, and our subject is the plan of grace. The plan of grace. God has a plan of grace. I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first 14 verses. When I told a pastor friend yesterday what I was preaching on, he said, are you only going to cover the first verse? I said, no, believe it or not, we're going to look at all 14 verses. And that's what we want to do. In these first 14 verses of Ephesians, Paul lays the foundation of the gospel. Listen to what he says in the first two verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, verse 2. These are two of the essential truths of the Christian faith, perhaps cause and effect. Grace coming from God, and one of the effects of those saved by God's grace 
is peace. And Paul is going to brilliantly expound the meaning of grace and peace in this great letter that we know as Ephesians. Over the last two weeks, we've been thinking of grace, this amazing grace, primarily from our perspective. But now in these verses, we're going to consider salvation, not so much from our perspective, but from God's perspective. We read in verse 2 that this grace and this peace are from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14 is one large sentence with three parts, each part ending to the praise of His glory, as we have in verses 6, 12, and 14. You see, an understanding of God's plan of grace produces an outburst of praise, a doxology. Why praise God? Let's read verse 3 through 14. Blessed, says Paul, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. What a brilliant, brilliant portion of Scripture. Why is God to be praised? God is to be praised because God the Father, verses 3 through 6, because God the Son, verses 7 through 12, and because God the Holy Spirit, verses 13 and 14, are all involved in this marvelous plan of grace through which we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That is the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all involved in this plan of grace. Now first, in verses 3 through 6, in grace, God the Father chooses us. In grace, God the Father chooses us. The plan of grace is initiated not by us, but by God the Father. John Stott writes, God the Father is the source or origin of every blessing which we enjoy. Notice verse 4. Says Paul, even as He, that is God the Father, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. 
there's something to meditate on. That God the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before ever God said, let there be light and there was light, Paul is presenting this mind-blowing truth that God the Father chose us in Christ before time even began. That God's plan of salvation was devised before the creation of the world, before any of us were ever born. That is, God's plan of grace is before times eternal. Take a minute and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul presents the same truth. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. He talks about the gospel in verse 8. It's the, by the power of God. Verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, before times eternal. Now, the goal of the Father's choice, according to verse 5, is that we should be holy and blameless. God's plan of grace is not just to save us, not just to forgive us our sins, but to adopt us into His eternal family so that we would be like His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our holy destiny, predestined by God the Father, verse 5. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. What a privilege of amazing grace. It would have been amazing grace for God just to forgive us our sins. It would have been unbelievable grace for God to take us to heaven when we die, but to be adopted into His very family. What a tremendous privilege is ours. And Paul is saying this is one of the spiritual blessings that the Father has given us. When God adopts us into His family, we are not second-class members. In the plan of God, as Paul is going to say in Romans 8 verse 17, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Chosen not just to be saved, but predestined to be holy and blameless. Chosen to be like God's Son. What a plan of grace. Chosen by God the Father before the foundation of the world. Now, when we talk about these truths, about divine election and predestination, I found there are often fierce and even passionate objections. If you've ever taught it, you know what I'm saying. Let me say this. These truths may be difficult for us to understand, but they are very biblical truths. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, did they choose God? Of course they didn't. They were chosen by God. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6, 7, and 8, God says that He chose Israel not because it was an impressive nation, not because of all its numbers. In fact, they were of the fewest of the nations. Why did God choose Israel rather than any of the other nations around them? He says, because the Lord loved you. 
In the New Testament, Jesus said to his disciples, John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You say, why did God choose them? On what basis did God choose them? Not because of anything in them, not because of anything in us, not because we were going to do something special that would deserve God's love. Why does God choose us? Out of amazing grace, out of the Father's love. And so the Bible makes it clear, it is not so much that we loved God, but that He first loved us. 1 John 4 verse 10. It's not so much that we chose God, but that He chose us. It wasn't so much that we woke up one day and says, I'm going to seek after God. No, He seeks us. In the plan of grace, Paul is saying here, not only here, but throughout the New Testament, in the plan of grace, God always acts first, not us. I don't know how that strikes you, but I say praise His glorious name, because if it was up to me, I would never, ever have turned to God. It is God's plan of grace, not ours. Now, there is a deep mystery in God's plan of grace. The greatest mystery is why God would choose any of us. Why would God choose me? What is clear, as Paul presents it here, is that God is sovereign. When we say that God is sovereign, we mean that God is control, in control over the entire universe, past, present, and future. Did you notice what Paul says at the end of verse 11 regarding God, who works all things according to the counsel of His will? That means that God is in control, not you, not me. Someone says, now does God's sovereignty does that rule out? Does that eliminate human responsibility? Absolutely not. An essential part of the gospel is whoever. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Scripture makes it very clear that those who reject Christ are held responsible by God for their unbelief that we are not puppets, we are not robots, we are not machines, but we are people made in the image of God. And part of being made in the image of God is that we have the capacity of choice. And while we may have difficulty in reconciling these two biblical truths, we dare not reject either of them. Now down through human history, certainly since the time of the Reformation, there have been, we could say, two extremes. There is the hyper-Calvinist, and then there is the Arminian. Two, I would say, extremes. Both groups tending to emphasize one of these truths at the expense of the other. The hyper-Calvinist stresses God's sovereign election. The Arminian emphasizes so-called free will. What we can say and do say, say is this, that God's election, His sovereign election, and man's responsibility, human responsibility, are both presented in Scripture. Turn back to the book of John just for one verse from the teaching of our Lord. Someone says, well, that was Paul. He was kind of a tough nut. No, he wasn't a tough nut. He's writing under the inspiration of 
the Holy Spirit, but if you want it from the lips of our Lord, John 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Who is it that comes to the Son? Those whom the Father gives. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. There you have, neatly summarized in one verse, these two great truths which blow our minds, don't they? God's choice, a choice which he made before you did anything, before you even existed, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. But also now in time, as the individual hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, God holds us responsible as to whether or not we respond to the message of grace which he initiates. Let me ask you this question. Does it bother you that you can't understand God's purposes fully and perfectly? Does your three-year-old daughter understand all of your plans and all of your decisions and all of your choices? Does she? We must remember that God is infinite. God is infinite in his wisdom, far wiser than any of us. God is infinite in his love. Whatever you say about God, don't attack his love. His love is infinite. The Bible says God is love. God is also infinite in his justice. Don't say that God is unfair, as if you had a higher standard of fairness than God. How arrogant. God is infinite in his justice. He is a just God. He is a true God. Everything that God does is loving. Everything that God does is just. Everything that God does is all wise. On the other hand, we are very, very limited in our understanding, aren't we? God is infinite. We are finite. In the plan of grace, God the Father chooses us. Now secondly, verses 7 through 12, and you realize we're moving on very quickly. In grace, God the Father redeems us. In grace, God the Father chooses us. In grace, God the Son redeems us. Salvation is not only planned by God the Father, it is accomplished, it is executed, the plan is executed by God the Son. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. That's the Father. Drawing salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. That's Emmanuel, our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. That's it. In grace, God the Son redeems us. Verse 7. In Him, that is in the Beloved, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. He redeems us. The Greeks and the Romans took prisoners of war who became slaves. In some cases, these slaves were then later bought out of their slavery into freedom. The money paid to buy a slave, to release a slave, was called a ransom. We use that word if someone is kidnapped. 
Here is someone who kidnaps a child and they demand a million dollars. They demand a ransom. Uh, the parents or someone pays the million dollar, the ransom, and the victim is released. That's the thought. Freedom had to be purchased. A price had to be paid to the owner of the slave for his release from captivity, from slavery. That is called redemption. A price is paid and someone is freed. Paul is reminding us here that we need to be redeemed. We need to be released. We need to be delivered. You say, well, hold it. I'm not a, a slave. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, we learned that two weeks ago as we looked at the opening verses of Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul tells us in verse 2 that we followed the course of the world, we followed the prince of the power of the air, we once lived, verse 3, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Jesus put it this way, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You say, well, I, I once had these bad habits and, and I no longer have them. I, I once was addicted to, uh, to alcohol or to pornography or to drugs or I was a very prideful person, but now I've changed. Well, that may be true. It may be possible through self-discipline, through help of others to stop a particular sin, but you cannot stop sinning. You are a slave to sin by yourself. All of us are slaves to sin. Now, here is the wonder of the gospel. Here is the wonder of the plan of God's grace. What you could not do for yourself, what I couldn't do for myself, that is free myself from the grip of sin. Sin is my master. I'm in its grip. I'm an addict. I'm bound by that sin. I need to be released. I need to be freed from it. It is not going to come from myself. This is in the plan of grace, what our Lord Jesus Christ does. He does this by redeeming us. John will continue this important point when we come back for tomorrow's program. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and a message titled, The Plan of Grace. Remember, you can find these lessons and listen again anytime by going online to theverdict.org and by subscribing to The Verdict Podcast. Just search your podcast app for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. As a special thank you to our listeners, we'd like to offer you a free copy of John's booklet titled, Eternal Security, Finding Certainty in a Chaotic World. Be encouraged as you deal with personal doubts and questions about faith and better understand salvation by grace so that you can live with joy and peace no matter your circumstances. Download or request a mailed copy of this special booklet when you visit our website at theverdict.org. While you're there, you'll also have the chance to help reach new listeners with the gospel during this Christmas season by supporting the work of this radio ministry with a special donation of any amount. We're so grateful for fellow believers like you who help us continue sharing God's Word across the globe with your financial gifts. And you can give your special year-end donation today with just a few clicks of a button by going online to theverdict.org. 
And then we also want to invite you to join us for Sunday morning worship here at Calvary Church, home of the verdict. To find directions and details about our upcoming Christmas services or to worship with us via our live stream online, just go to theverdict.org. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Are you beginning to understand why grace is so amazing? God planned our salvation from the very beginning. Don't let the fascinating mystery of God's sovereign choice and the role of human responsibility stop you from marveling at what God has provided. We who are lost can be found. We who are spiritually dead can be made alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And if you have not yet received this outpouring of grace in your soul, look to Christ and to Christ alone for salvation. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.